Good evening. It's good to see everybody here tonight. If you're a member, we're glad you're here tonight. But if you're a guest, we want to offer a special thank you for coming and being a part of our worship. And you have to do at least one thing for me. I'm glad you're here tonight, but you have to come back next week. Um, because then you get to hear a real preacher. You don't have to listen to me for a couple minutes. Um, but I am glad to be up here, and I'm glad that you're here. This week um, marks my first week of my second year um, year here at Mount Juliet. So this is year number two for me, and it's been a year full of blessings, and I'm, I'm so thankful to be a part of this congregation and to be able to work with you and specifically work with the youth and teenagers of this congregation. Um, David talks a lot about, recently, a lot about the, uh, the not the simulcast, but the uh, sermons being archived online. Well, my girlfriend, she's in Belgium. She's doing the study abroad program um, with Fried Hardman University, and she's going to be listening in tonight. So we might only have one viewer tonight, but that viewer will be from Belgium. So that's pretty neat. Um, and hopefully that, that source might be a good source for them as they are traveling to places that might not have congregations. And so even though that they're halfway across the world, maybe in cities and countries um, that don't have a church or they don't have a church that they could go fellowship with, they know that they can log on and worship with us every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. And what an awesome opportunity and what an awesome tool for us to reach people throughout the entire world. Um, I have to say this before I begin. The, the idea behind this lesson isn't original. Uh, I got it from my little brother Patrick and I don't usually give him credit for anything. And so this is a, a very big point in my life. Um, and really, I don't think he's ever had original thought either. So it's probably not original to him either. Um, but I figured I'd go ahead and say that. I'm not, you know, I don't want to infringe on any copyright laws or anything like that. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the forgotten character, maybe a character that we've never thought about before. And I also have to say that I have to apologize to Miss Wendy. I gave her the wrong sermon title, and I gave it to her late. And so I'm not doing very good this past week, but hopefully, hopefully we'll do better the rest of the evening. In 1955, an American woman in Montgomery, Alabama, refused to give up her seat on a bus to another person. She challenged the law and got arrested, but was left with her dignity intact by resisting racial segregation. This led to a court case that eventually overturned bus segregation laws in both the city of Montgomery, but also throughout the whole state of Alabama, and we know that it started a movement throughout the whole country. The woman became a bold catalyst for the civil rights movement. Does this story sound familiar? We probably all could, would, could say a name that is associated with this story. But it might not be the person that you're thinking of. You might be thinking of Rosa Parks, right? The woman, the woman who was popularized for not giving up her seat. But the woman in this picture up here is named Claudette Colvin. And maybe some of you have heard of her, but maybe most of us, I hadn't until I began studying for this lady, for this lesson, had never heard of Claudette. But Claudette refused to give up her seat on a segregated bus nine, full, nine months earlier before Rosa Parks. But we don't remember Claudette, or at least most people don't remember Claudette. Claudette, that's a hard word for me to say. She is overlooked. She is sometimes forgotten. There are many people in the past who have been forgotten. Many people who did many great things, many um, leaders and kings, um, presidents that were, well, that were great leaders, great men. And then think about all the people that weren't in, in positions of leadership, weren't in positions of, of people looking up to them. Think of all the many men and women that were great that have lived in the past that have been forgotten. 
that aren't remembered or maybe underrated. When we think about underrated, maybe we think um, about some professional sports players that were, that were great players that were underrated. There are many athletes that we could name that were underrated players, many current athletes that people seem to over, overlook and they think about the greats, but there are many great players. There are many different people and many different things out there that are completely underrated or just completely forgotten about. But tonight, I want us to think about a character that I have never heard given the spotlight. I like to ask people who their, fi- who their favorite Bible character is. Um, it's, it's interesting to me. I think it, you can learn a lot about someone from knowing who their favorite Bible character is. Plus, it's just a very um, casual way to bring the Bible into a conversation. I think you can learn a lot about someone by the stories and the people that they look up to, the stories and people that they relate to. I've heard many people say that Noah is their favorite character. Maybe Noah is one of your favorite characters. And maybe you can relate with Noah in in a sense. Noah lived in a time when everybody in the world was wicked. Now, we don't live in a time as, as, as bad as that, but maybe we go to work at a place where everybody is, is not good. Maybe we have lived in a place in our past that there were no good people around us. There were no Christian people. Everybody was, we might not have considered them wicked, but everybody was just not a good person. Nobody had morals. So maybe you can relate with Noah. Noah was a man who found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He stood out in times of great wickedness. Noah was asked to build a huge boat when there was no water nearby. He, and also it, it might have been that these people had never seen rain before. And so Noah building a boat, that was ridiculous, right? But he didn't let that stop him from a being obedient to the Lord. Maybe you think of Abraham, the father of faith, a man that left everything behind to follow the Lord and let the Lord take him where the Lord would use him. Maybe you relate with Abraham. Maybe you like the character Abraham. One of my favorite Bible, Old Testament Bible characters is Moses. He came from humble beginnings, but God chose him to be one of the most influential leaders, if not the most influential in the leader in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus, that God would ever use. Moses was a humble and godly leader and a righteous man. I think Moses sometimes is underrated. Now, we all know Moses, and we've all, we, we've all learned about Moses, and we've teach our kids about Moses, but I think sometimes Moses gets a bad rap. You know, when we think about Moses, maybe one of the first things we think about was, well, Moses, he struck that rock. He should not have done that, right? Moses struck that rock when he was supposed to talk to it, and certainly that was an act of disobedience. But do you know why Moses struck the rock? He struck the rock because he was mad that people weren't obeying God. He was mad that God's people were complaining about what God was giving them. And so the reason that that Moses got angry was because people weren't doing what God wanted them to. Now, there's no reason to get angry. There's no reason for disobedience. But if there ever was a righteous reason for doing what was wrong, if that even makes sense, wouldn't it be for people not following the Lord? Moses, I think, sometimes is overshadowed by a lot of figures. But other than Moses striking the rock, what blemish is on, is on Moses? What did Moses ever do wrong that we read about? I can't think of one thing except for Moses striking the rock. Moses was a man with very little blemish. But even Moses is not the character that I want us to highlight tonight. Maybe one of your favorite characters is Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was taken from everything he knew and placed in a society and culture that did not know God. But he remained strong and trusted in the Lord. The example he set for his friends, the king, and even the whole nation speaks volumes about the person that he was even at such a young age. 
And then, of course, many people would say the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul did wonderful things for the kingdom in the first century. And many of us maybe think we can relate with Paul. And Paul was the chief of sinners. And sometimes we might consider ourselves a chief of sinners. Paul was given the extraordinary opportunity to do amazing things for God's kingdom. The story of Paul is a story of redemption in Jesus Christ and a testimony that no one is beyond the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul's early life was marked with religious zeal against the church and against Jesus and brutal violence and relentless persecution. But fortunately, Paul walked the road of Damascus and he was changed by Jesus himself and the later years of Paul's life showed a marked difference as he lived for Christ and the advancement of the church. There are many more people that we could talk about, that we could look up to as an example of obedience and of faith and perseverance and how to love the Lord. These men might not get the credit they deserve in the world, but amongst the church, most of these men, um, they get a lot of credit. We teach these men fairly often. However, tonight, I want to tell the story of a character who doesn't get much credit. This character is one that we have all heard about, read about, and even sang VBS songs about. But when it comes to recognition, it gets very little. So if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, and we'll figure out who this forgotten and underrated character is. Luke chapter 19, and this is where we'll stay for most of the lesson. <clears throat> Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, it says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. In verse 8, it says, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Lord, behold, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has came to seek and to save that which was lost. You know the story, we know the song, and you probably think we know all the characters. We haven't forgot about any of these characters, right? But tonight, I want us to do a quick character study over all four of the key characters in this passage. First of all, we have the obvious, Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, the chief tax collector, actually, and a wee little man, as the song tells us. Tax collectors in those times were considered to be corrupt and were despised by members of the community. They were thought of as traitors in the Jewish world for working for the Roman Empire because that was just not something that the Jewish people would do. Zacchaeus was despised by his community because he collected the one thing that even we all can agree on hating, taxes. I'm sure it didn't help out his case that he was rich, right? Because we all, we all don't like a rich fellow, right? We all want everybody to be on the equal playing field. We don't want to look over and see our neighbor's house and see them have a better pool or a better trailer or a better house or whatever it is. Unless we're buddy buddies with them and then we can reap the benefits of that. Um, but I'm sure that Zacchaeus' wealth, especially since I'm assuming that the source of his wealth came from him collecting taxes, I'm sure that didn't help his case with the crowd. 
just based on the fact that Zacchaeus was a tax collector, we ourselves might be inclined to think lowly of him. But let's not let the crowd mentality persuade us. Look with me in verse 8 and let's see what it says. I'm reading from the New King James Version. In Luke chapter 19, verse 8, it says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I will give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Notice the wording in the New King James. It says, I give half of my goods to the poor. If I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore fourfold. By reading this, it seems like Zacchaeus is a good man. How many of us in here give half of our goods to the poor? How many of us in here, if we have wronged someone, give back fourfold? This is what Zacchaeus did. The law required to make an amends for what you did wrong, but Zacchaeus was going above and beyond even what the law required of him. Now, some of you might be using a different translation of Bible. Some of your translations might say, and he will give. And so under that, under that wording, we might, we might think, well, Zacchaeus didn't start doing this until Jesus came into his life, right? Now, I'm not going to go into a deep language study, but if you do look at the Greek, the Greek wording does seem to indicate a past tense, which would mean Zacchaeus was already doing these things. I overlooked this my entire life until I started studying this passage, but Zacchaeus was already giving to the poor. Zacchaeus was already giving back if he had done someone wrong. Whether or not that's the correct interpretation, one thing does not change. And the one thing that does not change is the fact that it took Jesus to come into Zacchaeus' life Zacchaeus' life for him to receive salvation. Zacchaeus might have been giving back to the poor, might have been giving half of his goods to the poor, but maybe he wasn't. Either way, that did not earn him salvation. He could have given all of his money away, but would that have earned him salvation? No, it doesn't change the point of the story. The point of the story is that it took Jesus to come into Zacchaeus' life for him to, earn, to, for him to receive salvation. The same goes for us. If Jesus isn't a part of our life, it doesn't make any difference how much money we put into the collection plate, even how regularly we attend service, even how regularly we study the Bible. If there's not a personal relationship with Jesus, and if Jesus is not a dominant figure in our life, then we cannot earn salvation. We can never actually earn salvation. It is a gift that only comes from having a relationship with Jesus. It can't be bought with money or deeds or action. Another thing that we can learn from Zacchaeus is his desire. In verse 4 it says, So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. It says he ran, which would not have been very characteristic of a Jew, especially a rich Jew. But Zacchaeus didn't stop there. Not only did he run, but he climbed up into a tree so that he could see Jesus. He had a desire to see Jesus, and he wasn't going to let anything stop him from accomplishing that. How bad is our desire to see Jesus? Are we willing to run? Are we willing to climb? Are we willing to make ourselves uncomfortable? Are we willing to maybe even make ourselves feel embarrassed in order to see the Lord? Zacchaeus was willing to do whatever it took to see Jesus, and that meant climbing up into a tree. I hope we are all climbing above the world and climbing above the, the crowd to see Jesus. We can learn much from Zacchaeus and maybe... Maybe he doesn't get the credit that he deserves as much, but even Zacchaeus is not the forgotten character that I want us to talk about that tonight. Zacchaeus is not the underrated character that I want us to highlight. The next character, or maybe I should say characters, is the crowd. 
as we read, we learn that there are many people that are flocking to Jesus. As we see throughout the entire gospel, people were going to Jesus, and for good reason, right? Jesus was feeding people. He was giving away free food, right? Who wouldn't want to go be a part of Jesus' crowd? But also he was healing those that were sick, healing those who were lame, healing those who had any kind of sickness, and he was teaching them, teaching them like nobody had ever taught them before, not as the scribes or the Pharisees, but teaching them as someone who had an authority like they'd never seen before. The crowds were everywhere, and you can imagine that they were doing whatever they could to get close to see Jesus. In verse 3 it says, And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus, but couldn't because of the crowd. The people that were following Jesus were preventing others from following Jesus. It's not the way it should be, right? The people that were following Jesus were preventing others from following Jesus. I wonder how often we find ourselves in that crowd. How often are we so fixated on getting ours or getting mine or making sure we get what we deserve that we don't see someone else who's trying to get what they need? I'm sure if you ask this crowd in Luke chapter 19, they might say something like, well, I was just trying to see Jesus. There's, not some, there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's admirable, right? I'm just trying to see Jesus. Maybe they might say, well, I didn't even see Zacchaeus there. I didn't even know that he was there. And, or maybe they'd say, well, I just didn't, I didn't understand that he couldn't see. I could see. I don't understand why he couldn't see. The crowd was so worried about themselves they didn't realize that they were preventing someone from seeing Jesus. There are so many people that we come into contact with every single day that are looking, but can they see? Are there people in your life that are looking for something, but they can't see past you because you're so focused on yourself? I certainly have been guilty of this. This morning in our youth class, we talked about how we need to stand out from the crowd, not so that we can boast and say, hey, I'm different from everybody else, but so, but so for, for the fact that others could see us and say, this person's different. Maybe they're looking for something and they're not sure where to go, but if we're in the middle of the crowd, if we're blending in with the world, they're certainly not going to know where to go. God called us to be a city set up on a hill. A city set up on a hill is a place where everybody can see it, a place where everybody knows how to get to. God set the city upon a hill so that the saved could be at the top, but also so that the sinners could see where they need to be. And that's the same way that we need to be. There are so many people that we come into contact with every day that are looking, and I hope that we are not blocking them from seeing Jesus. If we continue reading, we see that the crowd didn't, didn't just stop at hindering Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus, but when Zacchaeus finally got the attention of Jesus, what did they do? They groaned and complained. The crowd must, not, must have not known Jesus. They must not have known what Jesus' mission was because Jesus' mission was to seek out people like Zacchaeus. Jesus' mission was to seek and save the lost, just like Zacchaeus. Far too often, I think we find ourselves acting like this crowd. Maybe a guest comes in here. Maybe someone who isn't right with the Lord comes in here and we're so focused on our routine, so focused on our friends, so focused on what we're doing that we don't even notice that someone else is trying to see the Lord. And maybe because we're so fixated on ourselves, others can't see past us. Maybe we see someone who's trying to make a change and rather than trying to see them, rather than trying to help them, we see someone that shouldn't be here. Maybe you think... Maybe we think, they don't fit in. 
I know what they did the other night. Why are they here? What a hypocrite. Instead of judging, instead of overlooking someone, we should see an opportunity for Jesus to reach out and change the heart of one more soul. Don't be in the crowd. Don't be someone who blocks Jesus' view from others. And certainly don't grumble, complain, or moan when someone does try to come to Jesus. We can learn a lot from Zacchaeus about his desire and his willingness to strive to reach Jesus. And we can learn a lot from the crowd and how we should humble ourselves and put others before ourselves. But neither of these characters are the ones that I want us to specifically highlight tonight. The next character I want to talk about, well, he's kind of a big deal. He's very much underrated, but that's just because we can't even comprehend his goodness. Of course, I'm talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the main character in this story, but he's also the main character in the story of the entire Bible. I love to study Jesus and especially the encounters that Jesus has with people one-on-one. We can learn so much, so much from his wisdom and so much from the way that he handles different situations if you look at how Jesus did personal ministry. Certainly he ministered to the masses, but I think Jesus' strength was when he went one-on-one with another person. The key point that I want to emphasize about Jesus in this passage is that he saw Zacchaeus. Sounds very simple, right? He saw Zacchaeus. The crowd paid no attention. Maybe they didn't even realize he was there, but Jesus did. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. In verse 5 it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. What an important part of the story that sometimes we maybe overlook. A couple weeks ago, what did Philip talk about? He talked about being people who seek other people, being people looking for other people. Jesus was the ultimate people finder. And thankfully for Zacchaeus that day, Jesus saw him. I think it's also interesting that Jesus said, I must stay at your house. What was the reasoning for Jesus needing to go stay at Zacchaeus' house? Was it because Zacchaeus was rich and probably had an MTV crib and Jesus wanted to check it out? I don't think that's the reason that Jesus wanted to go over to Zacchaeus' house. It wasn't because Zacchaeus was rich. It wasn't because Jesus was trying to be different from the crowd. And it wasn't just because Jesus was hungry and needed a place to stay. No, it was because of Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost. And that meant that he must go and see Zacchaeus. That means it wasn't something that would have been good for him to do. It was something he had to do. It was a necessity. Jesus didn't on a whim or accidentally or think it was a good idea or make, make time for it if time allowed. He made sure that he went to Zacchaeus because it was a necessity. We need to be like Jesus who first saw Zacchaeus. We need to see people, especially see people who are looking for the Lord. And second, we must consider it a must, consider it a need, a necessity to go to them and bring Jesus to them. In this story alone, Jesus shows us how to love others despite their flaws. He shows us how to evangelize. And I don't want to take, I don't want to take away anything from Jesus. um, But even tonight, Jesus is not the character that I want us to highlight. Without Jesus, there is no Zacchaeus story, but also without this character, there is no Zacchaeus story. Some of you are thinking, okay, Jody, there's no more characters left. You kind of stretched it with the crowd. There's no, more, there's no more characters left, right? Well, there is one more. 
the tree. The character I want us to consider, and maybe for the first time to ever be considered from this pulpit or in our personal life, is the tree. As Christians, we are not only supposed to worry about ourselves for salvation. Our goal in life is not to just get ourselves to heaven, but what did Jesus say as he was leaving this earth? He says, you need to be baptizing people so that they can go to heaven too. Our goal in life is not just to get ourselves to heaven, but to help others along our walk. Sometimes we get the crowd mentality of just trying to see Jesus for ourselves and trying to do what we need to do and trying to get what we want. But sometimes we neglect that others aren't getting what they need. Sometimes we neglect others who are trying their best to see Jesus but can't. Zacchaeus was doing his best to try and see Jesus, but his height and the crowd was keeping him from achieving that goal. Zacchaeus needed something. He was desperate. He was a Jewish man who was desperate to see the Lord. He probably tried to run into the crowd and make his way through like a bowling ball, but him being a man of short stature, he couldn't, he was no competition against the crowd. They probably pushed him back, or maybe they didn't even realize it, that he was trying to get through. He couldn't go through the crowd. He couldn't look above the crowd. He couldn't run around the crowd. So Jesus found a tree. He found something that could lift him up to see Jesus. The crowd was making it impossible for him, so he found a way to see Jesus. This tree, this humble sycamore tree, lifted Zacchaeus up to see the Savior. Isn't that what we're called to do as Christians? Once we become a Christian, isn't that what we're called to do? To lift others up so that they can see the Lord? To lift others up so that they can see Jesus? We ourselves cannot earn someone else's salvation. We can't make someone become a Christian. But what we can do is lift them up so that they can see Jesus. And so that Jesus can work in their life. We are called to be those who lift others up. We are called to be like this humble sycamore tree. In Psalms chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. The crowd stood in the way of the sinner trying to see Christ. Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd. But a tree rooted in Christ is strong enough to lift others up to see Christ. Often I find myself thinking far too much of myself and not focusing on the growth of others, not focusing on the souls of others. I think we could all consider ourselves guilty of that at times. Instead of being a part of the crowd, instead of being like the crowd, we need to make sure that we act like this tree. We need to make sure that we find time, make it a necessity to lift others up to see Jesus. Let's learn how to lift up others to see the Savior. How do we do that? How do we lift someone up so they can see Jesus? Well, first, we must have the strength to do so. We must be a Christian that's strong enough in our walk that we can help others in their walk. In Psalms, it says that a tree planted by streams of water yields fruit. We need to plant ourselves in the Word of God. We need to plant ourselves in the law of the Lord so that we can have the strength to lift others up. Secondly, we can pray. Pray that God would just send us one person to lift up. Pray that God would send us just one person that we could lead towards him. And thirdly, we must act. Maybe it's giving someone one of those Mount Juliet church cards that has our information on it. Maybe it's telling someone about the 
the online sermon archive. Maybe it's inviting someone to church. Maybe it's inviting someone to have a Bible study. Maybe it's just reaching out to someone in whatever need that they have. We need to do something. I love the story of Moses in Moses, Exodus chapter 14, verses 15. Maybe it's 15, 14. But Moses is praying, and he's praying for wisdom, and he does not sure what to do with the, with the children of Israel. And I shared this this morning in Bible class. And Moses keeps praying, he's praying, he's praying, he's not taking any action. And finally, the Lord says, Moses, get up and do something. Moses, get up and tell the Israelites what they need to do. Sometimes we, we use prayer I think as a crutch. Sometimes we think, well, I'll, I'll pray for that person. Or sometimes we think, I'm going to pray for that person to come to the Lord. That is wonderful. And that is a necessity. We are called to do that. But if we're not doing anything about it, then we're not following the second part of God's commandments. In this story from Zacchaeus, we learn that personally, we must have a desire to see the Lord. And we must strive to see him at all costs, no matter what it takes. We also learn that we ourselves cannot earn salvation. We cannot give enough money. We cannot do enough good things to bring salvation into our life. Only Jesus can do that. From the crowd, we learn that we must not discourage or even ignore those who are trying to see Jesus. We need to humble ourselves and be mindful of others. And from our Lord, we learn that we must see people. We must see people. We must be people looking for people who are looking for the Lord. And then we must do something about it. We must do something about it. It's not a good thing. It's a necessity. It's a need thing to do. We must do something about the lost. And from the tree, the forgotten character, the overrated character, the, the, the character that sometimes we, we don't seem to think about, we need to learn to lift others up so that they can see Jesus. This whole month, we've been talking about reaching souls. An expectation of God is that we reach out and tell others about God, tell others about Jesus, tell others about the church and the way that it has worked in our life. One way that we can do that is by lifting up others to see Jesus. If you're a member here, if you've been coming here regularly, you know that we offer an invitation almost at every service. Maybe you're a guest and you're not familiar with it. Tonight, you have the offer, you have an invitation to come to know the Lord, not because I'm extending it, because Jesus, but because Jesus has extended it, and it's always open. Tonight, maybe you find yourselves relating with the crowd, and you feel like you've been hindering other people from seeing Jesus. Maybe you've even ignored the efforts of others to come to know the Lord. We can change that. We can learn to be like the tree. We can learn and become like the sycamore tree that's lifting others up. Maybe the night there's somebody in here that feels like Zacchaeus. They feel like they've been trying to come, to become a part of this church. They've been trying to become a part of the Lord and his body. They've been trying to see Jesus, but there's so many distractions. There's so many things that are getting in their way. Maybe you find yourself in those shoes tonight. If that's the case, let us lift you up. Let us lift you up in prayer. Let us lift you up so that we can pray for you and that we can be there for you. Tonight doesn't have to be like every other night. Tonight we can do something about what, the way we've been living. We can change if we need to make changes to become who we need to become. We can change into someone that lifts someone up. We can change into being like the tree so that others can see Jesus. Tonight, if you need to make a decision to become baptized, if you want to put on Jesus Christ in baptism, we can make that happen.
Tonight, if you need to be lifted up in prayer, we can also make that happen. If you have any need, we ask you to come.